I'm reading from Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, then Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Thank you so much again for your welcome, and it's great just for a few moments now to be able to look at these verses um, under the heading, The Generous God and Our Response. You might think that these verses don't say a huge amount about generosity, but I hope to convince you by the end that they do. Also helpful, perhaps, to begin by talking about my relationship with these texts, particularly Joshua 1 and verse 9, which begins, be strong and courageous. One or two of you may remember that these were, this was a verse that was particularly significant for me, that a number of you gave to me as I was leaving here and going to Spurgeon's College. And I found that verse to be so true and real for me through a period where I was really wondering to begin with, can I do this? Should I be doing this? And just that sense that God was in this and was challenging me and encouraging me and urging me forward. And so tonight, I hope that you feel some of that for yourselves, that sense of God speaking to you and encouraging you, whatever path he's leading you on, to be strong and courageous and to hear again the promise of his presence. 
So, the generous God and our response. Just a a few things from these verses. And we see, first of all, that God is generous with his presence. This incredibly powerful verse. Moses goes into the tent of meeting on a a regular basis to meet face to face with God. And the people come to the edge of their own tents and they are worshipping themselves as Moses goes in. But Joshua, Moses' young assistant, does not leave the tent. He's there with Moses and as Moses comes out, Joshua stays in the presence of God. Extraordinary picture of a a worshipper, someone who wants to spend time in God's presence. And in the Old Testament, this is an unusual thing. Moses speaking to God in this way. Joshua having access to God's presence in this way. But as we read the New Testament, we see that now in Jesus, each one of us can come right into the Holy of Holies and can worship God. And so in Jesus, this is something that is not just for a few special people, it's not just for the leaders, it's not just for a priestly caste. All of us can spend time in the presence of God. God generously gives himself to us. And I said that I would talk about this a little bit more when I was speaking this morning, but it's just the encouragement, very simple and straightforward, to spend time in the presence of God. And for sometimes, especially for someone like me, who tends to be up and doing and wants to be engaged in all sorts of things, to prioritize our relationship with God. I mentioned in passing that I teach at St. Hill's College, which has a a site in Sheffield and also a site in Murfield, where I teach Anglican ordinance. The college in Murfield, uh, which which St. Hill's use, is actually a a high Anglican college. Um, They basically use the premises, but they have a good relationship with the Murfield College. And there is a small community of monks who are there, the community of the resurrection. And I was teaching, teaching my church history in full flow, and there was a commotion at the back of the class as people looked out the window. And I stopped and said, okay, guys, what's going on? And they said, four young people in hoodies have just rushed past the window. And me, as the, the clueless lecturer, said, well, given where we are, aren't they monks? And the student said, no, no, they're definitely not monks. First of all, monks don't run like that. Secondly, these guys were wearing sort of drainpipe jeans and DMs, and that's not normally what a monk wears. And then thirdly, one of them seemed to be carrying what looked like an iron bar, and we're, we're, we're sure they're not monks. And indeed, there was this robbery that was going on elsewhere in the premises, so we alerted people, and it was sort of sorted out. Monks don't run like that. That's an interesting observation, isn't it? I guess it's true that you don't normally see monks running helter-skelter from place to place. 
And we, as God's people, in our own tradition, need sometimes to slow down and to prioritize the presence of God. Joshua could have been doing many things, but he stayed in the tent of meeting. He knew what it was to meet with God face to face. And I I do want to challenge you, as I, I challenge myself about spending time with God daily, reading his words, spending time in prayer, sectioning out some longer periods in our lives when we can meet with God one-to-one and also with others. It doesn't have to be an individual thing. It can be a corporate thing. But the God who is generous with his presence encourages us to prioritize meeting with him and to find our joy and our delight in him. We also have the generous gospel Ah, this time I think it's not me. I'm pressing furiously. Mark, can you move it on for me? Is that okay? Fantastic. The generous gospel. I'll say this one very quickly. We, we have a, a glorious gospel. And here in Joshua chapter 1, we see the gospel prefigured. God calls a people... He gives them his good and gracious rule, and he brings them into his place. And in Jesus, God is calling a people from all over the world, every tribe and nation and tongue. He is putting them under his glorious rule, the word of God, in the hands of the Spirit of God. And he will bring us into his place, even the new heavens and the new earth. And that glorious gospel is something that is just so thrilling, something for us to reflect on, something that should be deeply in our hearts. God has been generous with us, not just with his presence, but also with his gospel. Then thirdly, be strong and courageous. Because God has been generous with his presence, because he's been generous with his gospel, we can be strong and courageous. Think of Joshua and God's people at this moment of transition. They are on the cusp of the promised land. They are about to enter in, and it's God's provision for them. It's God's will for them. And yet it is a scary, scary thing. Notice that the basic command, be strong and courageous, comes three times. And as we just get inside this, I don't think it's reading in to think of Joshua just needing to hear this command over and over again. You imagine him, great man of God that he was, trembling there and God saying again and again, a word of challenge but also encouragement, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. And just the promise of God's presence with them. And... I just want to pause, and I do want to apply this. It talks in the passage about fear, and so often we are held back 
by our fears. We are terrified by the things that we are facing in wider society as we seek to engage in mission. And those fears can so easily hold us back. But God wants to strengthen us by his presence and urges us to be strong and courageous. And it's not that our fears aren't justified. There's a New Testament counterpoint to this, I think, in John chapter 20, where Jesus is there, the risen Lord Jesus, and he's in the upper room. The doors are locked for fear of the Jews. The disciples are are trembling with fear, and Jesus comes to them and says, peace be with you. And their fears turn to faith and joy in believing. And it's not that their fears aren't real. It's the same again. Joshua is rightly afraid as they stand on the edge of the promised land. What's going to happen? How is it going to go? And the disciples in Jesus' day are rightly afraid. They're going to engage in mission in a hostile world, one that is broken and hurting and which isn't going to want to receive their message and the love of God. And they're rightly afraid. And actually, the vast majority of the apostles, probably all but the apostle John, were martyred for their faith. They're afraid. Have they a right to be afraid? Absolutely. And yet the resurrection Lord Jesus, here the presence of the living God, that reality is so much bigger even than their fears. You might think of our, our fears in mission, in life, all the things that we have to face of being like this, this ball of stuff. And what these passages do, they don't diminish the fears, but they show us a larger reality, a greater reality that is the presence of the living God, the presence of the risen Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit that dwarfs our fears. The reality that provoked our fears is still there, but there is a bigger reality, there is a a broader reality that is the living God revealed to us in Jesus Christ by the Spirit that strengthens us and sees us through. And just as this was a a word for me, a special word, 13 years ago, perhaps this is a, a special word for someone this evening. And God is saying, yes, you're, you're afraid about that thing in your life. You're afraid about issues in your workplace, your family. You're afraid in terms of the church as you move out in mission. And I think God is saying those fears are real and legitimate. And on one level, you're right to be afraid. And yet there is a, a larger reality that is the presence of the living God and his plans and purposes for you that will see you through and strengthen you. Fourth thing, be committed to living out of God's word. Lots of stuff that I could say 
about this. The word meditation is important. And actually, the primary focus is not a sort of inner meditation. That is really important. But when we read about meditation, we immediately think about treasuring God's Word in our hearts, which is a vital and a biblical thing. But here in the Hebrew, the word is more a sense of murmuring. And the way that the passage talks about God's word being on our lips actually bears that out and reinforces it. It's sharing it with one another. It's discussing the application of God's word one-to-one in small groups, hearing God's word and then reflecting on it for ourselves. And I think the verse is challenging us to be a community of God's Word, absolutely to treasure it in our hearts, but to be sharing it, to be reflecting on it, and to be really thinking about how it applies in our corporate life and in our mission. And then finally, the challenge to be involved. There is the challenge to Joshua, and there is, there is great challenge and encouragement for church leaders in Joshua chapter 1, and for all who have responsibility within the people of God. But whoever you are, and whatever your place in life, whether you're the youngest Christian, whether you're a mature believer, whether you're struggling, whether you're going on strongly, whether you are somewhere in between, God wants you to be involved. Notice verse 11, the call is to the officers and the call is to all the people. And actually, this is part of God's generosity to us. We might say that it's a response to his generosity. And in a sense, it is. God calls us to respond to all he's done and all he is doing and all he will do by giving ourselves in service. And yet, the glory and wonder of the salvation that we have is that God calls us to join with him in his work. He could do it without us, but he chooses in his grace and mercy to use us. We are wired as humans for work, for ministry and mission. It's important to rest as well, but we are created to do good works. And we find our purpose as God gifts us and calls us to gospel ministry. And this is for each one of us. A final running story. I, I love to run. You wouldn't think of it by looking at me now. And I, I must confess that I've not, not done quite as much running recently as I used to do. I've done some half marathons. I, I did the London Marathon, which was a great joy. I did the London Marathon in pretty much double the time that is up on the screen. And I, I thought that was an extraordinary achievement, which for me, it was. But this guy, Eliud Kipchoge, who has run the marathon, not under race conditions, but under very special conditions, in under two hours. 
absolutely extraordinary. And you see him there. I've got a, a photo of him crossing the finish line. He's on his own, and you think it's just the one. But actually, when the picture pans out, when you take in more of the scene, you see his pacemakers behind who are all cheering as he crosses the line. And when you read up more about it, you read that he actually had 42 pacemakers for this race, many of them top athletes at their own distances. They had a car that went in front of them. I don't know if you saw this. had a green laser projected down onto the ground, showing them exactly the pace that they had to run. He had his energy gels and his water delivered to him by coaches who came up on bikes, handed the stuff over, and then cycled away. He had an army of people behind him, nutritionists, security, all sorts of people. Everybody was involved. You think it is this heroic effort from this one man, but actually there is a whole team of women and men who are engaged in this ministry. It's a picture of the church as it can be. All of God's people engaged in ministry and mission. Everybody serving in different ways. Within the gathered church as people are gifted and have opportunity. But also in mission and ministry in the workplace. Whatever that means for you. Living for God day to day. It's the ministry and mission not, of the, not only of the gathered church but also of the scattered church. God calls us to be strong and courageous, not just one or two, but all of us. God promises us his presence, not just one or two, but all of us. And he calls us all to engage in this glorious task of mission and ministry until he comes again. Going to hand back to Paul as we move into our time of communion together.